Welcome to Pursuing Call, a place where we explore what God is up to in our lives so that we can participate in God's mission for the world. Find out more at pursuingcall.com. Let's get started. We are not going to take up too much time in this intro section. If you haven't listened to part one of my conversation with Brooke Roberts, go back and listen to part one or else this part won't make any sense. Welcome to part two of my conversation with Brooke. Uh, We go a lot of places, cultural exchanges, and where we left off last time was we were discussing our realization that we knew nothing and that asking questions and living into questions was really a way to live across difference and not... um, just live in our certainty that maybe there are other ways of seeing the world. And so that's where we pick up. See y'all on the back end. Bye. I can't be certain about anything. So Um, it's definitely the, the, the the capacity to, to lean into questioning instead of telling mm. is, is definitely a skill that Uh that is, that's the part of maturing for me is the, Mm -hmm. the skill to say, maybe I'm not right. And, and, Cause I think standing in the, like, I am correct. And I have read a book and I mm-hmm. took that class. And mm-hmm. now I know the answer to the world was really about insecurity. Like mm. I needed to prove to people that I knew stuff. I needed to prove that I was worthy. I needed to prove something. Mm. And as I get older and I rec- and I like hang out with the aunties, if you just know that you're cool, then you can ask a question. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you're good about with you, then you can be like, huh, tell me your perspective. Well, yeah. why do you believe that? Like, even mm-hmm. in, just now when I was like, we are the poor, like the we was literally Brooke and Tamara. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like, then we just like, tell me more about what you have to, yeah, yeah, no. Like now we can have a conversation instead of it being like, let me prove to you that I'm right, which is mm. which always ends relationship anyway. So like, mm. yeah, yeah. I, that's a lesson I'm still learning, uh, oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Especially, uh, you know, cause it's one of those things too. It's like, I spent, you know, all of undergrad, like I, I was a political science major and international affairs major. And so I just was engrossed in these issues constantly. And then I feel like even grad school, it was, um, you know, maybe not as much as some programs, but I felt like, oh, we're focusing on social justice issues and diversity, you know, issues, um, on the regular, it felt like, and, um, and so I just felt like it just kept going and going. And then in my twenties, I was still very engaged in all that. And then, you know, I started making friends from outside of those kinds of arenas. And, and, you know, there's a lot of people who are like, I don't worry about what legislation is going through the house of representatives right now. I couldn't tell you. And I feel fine about it. You know? And I was like, right. what? I don't understand. <laughs> we went going from growing up in New York city, then going up to Bard and rural America, but mostly insular liberal land of like yeah. hippies in the woods and then moved to Boston, which I won't talk about that city on public, but God help me as a New Yorker. <laughs> I think I'm like biologically wired that I cannot like cities other than New York, but um, yeah. So then the, the, um, I need everyone to stop messaging me. Um, the going to BG, like going to Ohio in the 2004 election and like actually meeting evangelical Christians in the Midwest and actually having classmates who I was trying to respect and honor 
and hearing their perspectives, I was like, what? Who are you people? What is this culture? Yeah. What is happening? Like, I was so, I was, it was the most educational experience of my life. Yeah. Because my mom would, would call and be like, oh, we got this in the bag. And I was like, uh-uh. Nah, well, you know, I, 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 frankly, I, I, for risk of sounding weird, but like, I, I really love that experience for you. Mm-hmm. I, I tell people all the time, you know, I studied abroad in, in undergrad. I went and lived in China. And to this day, I will say the most challenging gut-wrenching, soul-sucking, searching, like experience, cross-cultural experience I've ever had was going from rural Kansas to Boston. And I know for you, are like, whatever, Boston's another small town. Well, like, not when you come from rural Kansas. No, no, no. Boston Boston is a very strange city. So, yes. Well, (laughs) and and I just felt like, you know, I, I went, you know, for, I I don't, you you probably remember the geography um, of Boston, but, you know, I, the cheapest place I could afford to live was like in Roxbury, which is really close to Northeastern university. And, um, people would always tell me this, the, and I didn't even know what this really meant. Cause I didn't, had never been to New York city, but I, they were like, it's the Harlem of, of Boston. And mm-hmm. I was like, cool. You know, like, I was like, yeah. I don't know what that means, but know you know, and then all of a sudden I was like thrust into a world where I was like, oh, I am a a racial minority. Um, and I'm smiling at people and it's not always, uh, received nicely because that's what we do, you know, uh, um, you know, or it garners a response that I was not anticipating because that's just Mm. what we do where I grew up. So, you know, I mean, those are little things, but it was a very rude awakening, um, in in a lot of other, other ways too. But I, I, I can only imagine what the reverse could be like too, of like, yeah. of, of that, of that thing. Um, one of my, you know, after the 2016 election results, won't even say the names. Yeah. Um, I, you know, it was really funny because a good friend of mine, he, um, is the founder of, uh, a organization called diversity abroad. And we've known each other for years and kind of came up through international education together. Um, and I remember we just like got on the phone one day cause he, you know, he grew up in in Oakland, um, California, mm-hmm. um, I just, just full disclosure. So this is audio environment. He's a, you know, a, a black man living in America. And I'm like at, from an urban environment. I'm like this white girl from rural America. Um, could our upbringings couldn't have been more different. Um, but we became great friends over the course of the last couple of decades. And I remember, you know, we'd had so many conversations over cocktails over the years of just like all these things where we just like, Oh, this needs to happen in my community. And this needs to happen in my community. And wouldn't it be amazing if they could cross. I remember after the election, we just, we like just got on a phone call. It's like crying together. Cause we were like, what is going on with this place? And if we were like, we got to start like a domestic exchange. Like I'll find 10 kids in my town in Kansas. You find 10 kids in your neighborhood in Oakland and let's create an exchange program. We never did it. Maybe we will someday, but like, we were like very like, that is the kind of interaction and openness and exposure, um, that I think we need, we still need. Um, but I, I, Whatever I can do to support that dream, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so um, and someday, maybe, and maybe I can now in my new role, that's the kind of thing I could uh, make happen even on a domestic level. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I love that watching. I mean, I really loved watching you go through the experience. Mm-hmm. And I say that like, I was like, 
creeping on you, but looking back now, I mean, I was like, it's now the the rear view mirror, but, um, I can only imagine how, uh, jarring that world was for you. And Mm -hmm. I, I will have to just say like, you, you did it, you made it seem like you took it very easily in stride. Nothing. I also got diabetes gained about 30 pounds and, uh, (laughs) had high blood pressure, high blood pressure by the time I got to, um, Vermont. So it had an impact on my body. Yeah. But in Vermont, it was like a different kind of whiteness. And so Mm. I also had to then readjust to that like liberal white world. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would, I wouldn't change much except not going to Burger King every day. I would change that. Back. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, I wouldn't change where I went to grad uh-huh. school. Cause I wouldn't, I, I'm a child of immigrants. I grew up in a Caribbean neighborhood. Like I'm, most of my friends were black Americans. I didn't know what the hell white people, like, I didn't really, I went to school with white people, but then I came home. You know, I went to high school yeah. with folks, but then I came back to my neighborhood. So had close white friends, but then we came back to our neighborhood. So we can, and also we're city kids. So we kind of have the same, yeah. it, like New York city attitude or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Midwest was really an eye opening for me. It was a spiritual experience in the sense that I got to hang out with Catholics all the time. My ancestorship was at Catholic school and I could go to church every week and explore what spirituality meant for me so mm-hmm. yeah I wouldn't exchange that time for the world I would not go to um Applebee's anymore but yeah. <laughs> I honestly I'm judging you a little bit but for going to Applebee's but I guess that was probably the most I was uh, in Adrian Michigan the restaurants were the Applebee's the bar and burger place downtown there wasn't like any six. kind of like local mom and pop anything no I Brooke. never went I'm sorry I never went Brooke. It was the it was the strip mall. Anything. Well, also we worked in student activities, so like you you're going out to eat at like nine p.m. and the right. only thing left open yeah. is Applebee. How far were you from Detroit? Forty five minutes to an hour. Oh, okay. So it's, and that was north then. And that okay, was like yeah. yeah, that was more north. That like was like out of the way. Yeah. Super out. Like you had to like make a plan on Saturday to go. Like so yeah, for fun we went to Ann Arbor, to the mm. Panera, and then stopped at Trader Joe's and came back. That was our adventures. Also, I have to tell the listeners too, we're making this out. I mean, it was also a time when you still had to print off like maps and directions. Right. It wasn't like you could just get on Google maps and be like, Ooh, cool. What's like Caribbean in Detroit, which I'm sure existed, <laughs> but like finding that stuff was like a lot harder than it is today. I think, yeah, no, you know, cause I'm sure there ago. were like a more, um, I don't know, interesting food options. No, there were probably we far more interesting, far more healthy options for me yeah <laughs> um, but also I think you know we eat our feelings so yeah, I was yeah, probably yeah. also avoiding and then yeah. eating my feelings and drinking yeah. it and so then you grow oh, older and you learn that your body can't do that so yeah so yeah. No uh, yeah so in terms of my spiritual journey that's where it started and it's still on and now it's just in a um uh, just, I have lots of conversations. I, I, I don't want to say I'm not agnostic because I feel like an agnostic implies, like, I believe something, I'm just not doing anything about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not atheist, but I also just don't know what I believe there's something bigger there's something than me. more than this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, I don't know what I think about like past life 
future life kind yeah. of scenarios either. But I do think that there's something at work at play um, mm-hmm. that I can like either like dance with and have a good time with, or I can fight against. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, even like going through this, like last, I, I hadn't applied for a job since 2007. So like applying for this recent role, I was just like, I kind of mad. Like, this is nerve wracking. I've been coaching people through this for a decade, but I'm like, oh yeah, being in it really sucks. But I remember like getting into some mindsets of like, oh my God, I really want this job. I'm like, what if I don't get it? I mean, I would have been fine. I didn't need it, but, um, I really wanted it. Mm-hmm. And then and like also then having to walk it back being like, if you don't get it, it just means you probably are, it, something else is going to be happening for you right. that this was just not the right thing right now. And that's the, probably the part where I struggle to reconcile this idea of, um, you know, being a master of my own destiny and being able to like work hard and strive towards goals versus this idea of like, well, it's all a plan and you just like go with the flow. And like, how do you, how do you like strive for something, but then also know that there's like other work at play? Yeah. That's what the question I don't have the answer to. So. Yeah. A lot of people I've been talking to, as we've been talking about, they're pursuing whatever they feel like they need to step into, um, is, that you are co-creating your experience mm. with the universe that mm-hmm. yeah sometimes it's going to be let me just let go and hope that things work out <laughs> and sometimes it's going to be i need to i need to go do this thing like there mm-hmm. there's a clear paths like i need to apply for this job yeah i don't know why but i need to apply for that job yeah so yeah it's a co-creation process so i want to so you've been advising people on work and i will yeah. say i will honor and thank you now as my friend now, listening to Brazenness Podcast is the only reason I started this podcast because Brooke made it sound very easy. Um, <laughs> well, <damn. laughs> and it, it, it was a lie, but it did. <laughs> I think it, it, it's different. Simple is different than easy. Okay, that's that's good. You made yeah. it simple. You made it simple for me and achievable for me. And I didn't have to feel like an imposter to do mm. it. You know, I could, I could, it helps me release my imposter syndrome yeah. because I did just finish seminary and I wanted to keep asking questions but I don't want to pay tuition to do that. So this is a great platform. So yeah, I'm so proud of you that you did it. And when you announced, I I saw your post about it. I was like, girls getting it. I love it. I love it. And I'm on episode 11 and I have over a hundred people who have listened to something. And that feels like a win. That is amazing. That is like, like all the snaps. That is so good. Congratulations. I was like a hundred listens. Great. Only 40 of those are mine. This is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Like refresh, refresh. Yeah. Um, so, but you are somebody who has helped guide people as you maybe through your own path or through helping other people figure out what their path is. What do we need to know? about that process? Like, what do we need to know as we set ourselves up for success in that path? Or what, what has been like the top three lessons you've gotten from your mm. battles with humans? Yeah, I think, oh, that's like, a, you just sprung that one on me. Cause I, I haven't, yeah, no, it's fine. I feel, I, I don't know if these are the top ones, but these are mm. some things that come to mind immediately. Um, I, I think, recognizing, because I I don't want to say it was bad, but I think that there are sort of stages or phases of your um, career or life's calling where there's a time, I think for a lot of us, where we're we're chasing the, the, the shiny penny, right? The, the director of X, Y, or Z, the VP of 
A, B, and C, or um, the the salary levels, or whatever. Um, that just kind of looking on paper that feel like they amplify a little bit, justify a little bit of all your efforts and maybe your education and debt you've gone into, whatever. Um, and they just make you feel good because there's these external validations of like you've hit these these markers. And I definitely went through that. I, I would say that if you were to define my twenties, I was like hustling on my career because I wanted to hit all of these. Um, milestones before you hit uh, because, 30, because apparently life ends at 30. Oh, right. Exactly. Um, and so I was like, I want to be director of a study abroad office at a division one university. Like why, why? Like, I doesn't like looking back now, I'm like, what, what's going on with that? But it just like, I liked what that sounded like. I liked all those elements. And by the time I was and I hit that marker by 28 and all of a sudden I was like, okay, so I'm guess I die now. Like what? Right. <laughs> and I, I definitely went through that sort of quarter life crisis, um, late quarter life crisis around that. And I think recognizing, um, that you're going to go through stages where those things are the most important to you and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, but then eventually some of that is going to deflate and you're going to realize like it was pretty hollow and maybe you weren't striving for those things for the right reasons. Um, and, and you have to actually start defining what you want out of your work and your career beyond those labels. Right. So instead of saying like, I, I, I want to be, you know, a social worker and run a big social worker program or something. Um, it, you really need to walk that back and maybe define it as like, I really love serving people who find themselves in a life situation that is challenging, harder, et cetera, et cetera. And, and helping connect them with resources and ideas and um, services that are gonna help them move through that phase of whatever they're yeah. going through. Yeah. And that's what I'm really excited about. And so then th- now that you know that's the kind of work you wanna do, that can manifest itself in so many, so different, many different ways, ways. right? You yeah. could obviously be a social worker, but maybe then you also, um, run a, a program for youth, you know, that's very different in, in a lot of ways than just like straight up social work. Maybe you start a foundation, maybe work for a foundation, maybe you, um, help like corporations, uh, decide where to invest money into, to nonprofits that are doing that type of work. Like so many ways you can slice and dice it, but if you know what your core values are and what you're really striving for, the titles and the pay and the types of organizations start to be less important, um, because you know what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And the, the flip side to that is it also just helps eliminate a lot of the noise, right? right? You might be told, um, you know, Tamara, you have so many talents and so many things that you would be amazing at. And somebody could come to you tomorrow and say, we want you to run this huge program at in NYU or whatever. Yeah, and I don't like and, college students. I want to. Right. And, and so for you, you might be like, you know, at a, there was a point where that title, that pay, that stature might've been like a super driver for you. But now, you know, like, I want to be doing this type of work. I want to be having these types of conversations, serving these types of people. And that that's not going to do it for me. Um, and so I think just recognizing you'll likely go through those phases. I don't think you should be like, Oh, I have to skip 
you know, the striving for the, the shiny penny stage, but I just knowing that like, that's probably something you're going to experience. And I think there's learning that goes with that. Um, I've, I've taken a lot of jobs that were all about that shiny penny. Um, and I will say it's, it looks great. It sounds great. My LinkedIn looks great. But, um, if you peel back the the curtain, I could also tell you how not great it was, (laughs) um, and not worth it in a lot of ways. And so, but I learned a lot and, um, so yeah, I think it's doing it and it's not fun. It's not like getting to watch, you know, episodes of Shit's Creek or something. No. It's like, no, you actually need to like sit down and really figure out what the, what those values, values are to you. Um, and that's something I've gone through the change. last year that has led me to the point where I was like, I really, I saw that job randomly. And I was like, I really need to apply for that job only because I'd been doing so much work trying to figure out what is it that I truly want to be doing, not the titles, not the organization, but what do I want to be doing? And it just matched up so much with those things as well. Um, well, and, it's just uh, making me think about the multiple career thing. And I think yeah, the, yeah. the other thing that I realized is regardless of what job I had, I was a community curator and I was an educator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so communications, event planning, whatever other jobs I've grant. Now I'm doing like grant management, like mm-hmm. regardless of what it is, I was a community curator and I'm a, a educator. Mm-hmm. And so as long as those two things show up, then I can, I can do it. Yeah. So, right. yeah, I appreciate the, let's get down to the, what, what, what do you return to every time? Like, what's the thing that you return Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a Japanese concept called Ikigai. Have you heard of this? Um, so it's basically like four overlapping, like it's a massive Venn diagram and the con- the idea of like breaking down um, and Ikigai, there's no direct translation to English, but it basically means like your, 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 your life's purpose mm-hmm. um, in, in like the yoga Hindu world, we call this your Dharma. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, they basically, it, it breaks down to like four key areas of what do you love? What are you good at? What does the world need and what can you get paid for, mm-hmm. um, or compensated for? And so, um, and then they're like each section have its own overlapping thing as a whole diagram. Google it, Ikigai. Um, but it's a really great framework to like, if you're struggling with, I don't know how to even start assessing what those things might be, um, breaking it down into those categories can be really helpful. And then seeing where the overlap, um, kind of percolates to the top and you can be like, Oh, I'm really meant to like work in Excel spreadsheets. I love that ish. Who can I do Excel spreadsheets for? <laughs> I love those people. I need more of them in my life. Yeah. Um, I'm that person where I'm like, we probably need a spreadsheet for this. Let me like put one together. I think the next layer to that is, you know, part of being able to figure out and answer those questions. What am I good at? What do I like? Is you're only going to figure out that stuff by taking action, by doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, you know, have us talk about, well, this is what my job was like in this role and right. then go, okay, that's what I want to do. Cause right. it's just not enough. I think you need to experiment and give yourself the opportunity to, to check things out and decide you don't like them. I think Mm -hmm. we are so addicted to like that shiny, clear 30 for 30, you know, you know, 30 under 30 30. list. And like, Oh, I built a billion dollar company. I was 19 genius now that I'm 40. Yeah. It's just all of that is just a mirage. And I, and I congratulations to those people for one, having the right set of circumstances given to them by God, the universe themselves, to like be in the, that position. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of us should assume that they just like 
you know, rolled out of the cave and they're like, I got a billion dollar company. That's not how the world works, but good for them that they were in that position to be able to achieve those things at such an early age. And it seemed like it was such a clear line to that, but that's not how it works for 99% of us. And so getting okay with trying with failing at something, Mm -hmm. trying again, getting better. I think this, and by the way, I'm preaching to myself right now because I am, I hate not knowing what I'm doing. I hate not being good at something right away. Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't relate at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so, yeah. And so for me and and you as well, it's like, it's so if something's hard at first, well, I'll just like, well, no, I'm going to go over here and do the thing I know I'm good at instead of like saying, okay, maybe if I did a few more reps, I'd get better at that thing. Um, and then also just being okay with like, what did you learn in the failure? Um, I think, I mean, people, I think that is one of our biggest ailments of society, at least Western society is this like, shying away from admitting, like I tried, it didn't work out moving on, you know? Um, and you know, it's something I'm going through right now. Like my, my company inside study abroad was doing great. And then this little thing called the pandemic hit. And I still, you know, for 18 months, it is not anywhere near where it used to be in terms of revenue and impact and, you know, all the metrics that we might count. Um, and because it was like my main source of a livelihood is a very struggling thing. And it's really hard to even talk about it because I do help people launch their own businesses. Right. And so if I'm like, Oh, my business is struggling, but at the same time, I'm like, y'all, you're not going to have a winner right out of the gate. I'm sorry. It's just not how it works. And even if you do, there are things that are it outside be a of global control pandemic that, shuts down <laughs> that are travel. just going <laughs> to make it flatline and you cannot do anything about it. Um, but you know, getting creative with, you know, other, other ways to move forward. But I, I think, for me too, like getting comfortable, even talking about that particular story is, is something I'm still working on. So I think getting comfortable in that ambiguity, that uncertainty, that, that yuckiness that feels like, Oh, I'm not good at this yet. Um, and just recognizing that's part of the process and still going for it, because the only way you're going to find that guy is if you have like your original research, your original, uh, experience on the ground to be like, okay, i I've done the social work and that isn't for me, but I still love that mission and vision. How can I make that work in another capacity? It sounds like if I translate that into, into religion speak, there's, you know, you know, your theological floor, you know, your theological foundation, you know, what you believe, you know, what your body feels good doing. That's a somatic theology as one might say. Mm. Um, And that deep knowing in your body really helps you to, to move forward. Mm. Um, and if you don't spend some time actually paying attention to what's happening in your body and in your spirit and your soul, then you will eat your way or drink your way or addict your way into work your way, work your way, like overwork and not have no kind of life, no balance, no health in all kinds of ways. And then you will harm yourself. (laughs) So like, Yeah. yeah, it, it, it requires some doing and reflecting. There's a, it, one of the classes in, in seminary was a, like a extra career development class thing. And it was designing, we just did the design your life book with mm. the, which the same, same guys that do design theory. And their whole thing is that like you expect, you don't say, you know, they would do career advising with students and they would say, I want to do this. Great. Have you done that before? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you want to have the big 150 like exchange 
do funding exchange or whatever, do like finance or whatever. Have you tried some finance stuff? How did that feel? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Were you, they, the word they use is like, were you in flow? Mm, yeah. Yeah. When yeah. were you in flow? And then people will do it and they're like, I hate this. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is terrible. Yeah. Now you got to make a whole new plan. So, yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up because, you know, Inside Study Abroad was really the reason I created it was for kind of that exact purpose, but for the international education uh, industry. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no, you don't, you don't major in international education or study abroad um, administration in undergrad. Um, uh, and even in grad school, like people are starting to do it, but they're not even teaching like the real stuff on the ground. And so uh, a lot of people are like, well, I studied abroad. I want to be a study abroad advisor. And studying abroad and being a study abroad advisor are very different things. Very different One things. is way more sexy than the other. Uh-huh. Um, and so I, I felt like a lot of people were really struggling to break into the industry uh, from a professional point of view, because they didn't really know what the work was all about. They didn't know if they'd like it. They didn't know if they'd be any good at it. Um, and, and so that's why I created that whole business was a, a whole career development program around helping you discover this as a career track, all the different ways you can slice and dice this arena and then make some decisions. Is this right for me? If so, which, which way do I want to work with international students? Do I want to work in international internships? Do I want to work in service? learning and volunteer abroad, you know, all there's so many areas and then framing your career and your past experience, skills, knowledge, et cetera, around that particular track. And and then being strategic, um, towards that. But a lot of people are just coming in blind being like, well, I studied abroad. This is the job that I see is a thing because it has it in the name. And I guess that's what I want to be doing. Um, and I, I completely agree. I think it's like criminal to expect people to like, know what they want to be when they grow up without actually having any interaction with that work, um, before making some pretty life altering decisions, like taking on massive amounts of student loan debt, for instance. So for instance, (laughs) don't pay for grad school. People don't pay for grad school. school. One, one thing that's coming up for me is this, we had kind of went into a tangent world of, uh, cultural exchange and experiencing Mm. different cultures. But at the same time, I feel like there's been a theme of discovery and you started saying, I have sought discomfort. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily have a question, but I mm-hmm. can you reflect on like, what do you mean by I've spent my life seeking discomfort, but also you seem like you've been seeking your life seeking discovery. So I just, what was that last bit? Say that again. You just been see, it seems like you've been on a, like a discovery route as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I think, um, you know, I, for lack of like feeling like a a cheesy Instagram post, um, or something, but I, I just, I think that where I'm able to learn the most about myself and about the world are in the, the gray areas, the friction areas, the, the moments that are not cushy and comfortable and familiar. Mm -hmm. Um, I learn the least in, in those experiences. Um, and so whether it's like a physical challenge, like I hiked Kilimanjaro, Um, and I'm not like a big athlete or, you know, I'm just, that's not my thing, but I, I, I did it. (laughs) Thank you. But like, you know, hiking up that, that mountain, there's no technology. There's no scrolling on the, the things and the stuff. I mean, you're just like alone, you know, one foot in front of the other with your own thoughts and, and who you are and your physical abilities and mental abilities. Um, and you know, I, I think of, I've had a lot of Kilimanjaro moments in my life and I 
so grateful for those, that those, the dissonance in those moments, the friction. And so when I say seeking discomfort, I mean, I say that because it sounds nice and, you know, like it's a whole YouTube channel that somebody created. That's all about seek discomfort, you know, like this is a thing, but at the same time, it's, it's, um, it's reflective looking back. I wasn't going, I'm going to go on this trip that none of my friends want to go on. That seems really weird. Um, my family has never left the country. They're like freaking out that I want to go on this plane, a plane. I'd never been on a plane yet. Um, and over an ocean and, um, and it turned out, I was just like, I want to do something that is, that rattles my world a little bit. That makes me go, okay, let's, let's find a new equilibrium. And, and I don't know, it's just for me that I, I get, I feel alive in those moments. I don't know. I, you know, they always say that like the sensation in your body for terror and excitement is the same sensation. Like you feel mm-hmm. your heart rate and the sweaty palms and all those things, like all the sensations are the same, but how you frame them in your mind is terror or excitement or fear or excitement, I should say. And so, um, I just always knew that those moments of fear or excitement, you know, it's that same thing happening in my body. Yeah. So I don't know. I think the moment that I am just like over doing new things that I start saying no to like exploring like a a new restaurant and a part of town that I've never been to or going, you know, to a a new country or a new, new part of a country um, that maybe I've been to in the past. I think the moment I'm like, meh, nah, dog, I'm good. I think that's the moment where I'm like, okay, Brooke, you need to like do some self assessment again, because then that, that would just totally be out of the realm of possibility for me. So the, the last thing to wrap up, I think is we don't get to these places alone. Mm. So as you have been mentoring other people, can you think of a human or a person in your life that has helped you in the discovery and exploration and discomfort process? Oh yeah. I mean, I have so many amazing people that are still in my life or people that were just in my life for a moment that played such a critical role, uh, earlier in my life, like in my, you know, my teens and, um, even into college for me, it was confidence. Like looking back, I can label it and call it the nice things, but I didn't know that's what it was back then. But like spending time in counseling and all these things I've done. And as an adult, I realized like I, I had a a mentality that I didn't deserve to go on adventures or travel the world or have nice things or, you know, all these things. And so a lot of like my striving early on in life was all to like, kind of prove my, that inner critic in my own mind wrong. I mean, there might've been critics external too, for sure. We've all had those people, but at the end of the day, something in me, in my own inner critic was saying like, girl, you're from a single wide trailer in rural Kansas. Like you had one grandparent finished high school, let alone, you know, anybody going to college, like you, you have no business wanting to do these things Mm -hmm. or earn this amount of money or go to these places. And, um, so part of it was like revenge striving, right? Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to prove that little voice in my head or any critic out there wrong that I can do those things. Um, but I think what I had, what I had around me is I had, like, I had a a teacher. Um, I mean, I mentioned Mrs. McDaniel, who was like the teacher organizing the thing. She didn't play a huge role in like giving me the confidence, but less like handing me a flyer and not even questioning that I took it. I mean, we live in a small community. She knew my life situation. So she could have been like, 
maybe not for you, Brooke, you know, but she was like, great, go tell Mona. She'd, she'd also had in high school. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I felt like she, you know, she just giving me that opportunity and, and not, um, I don't know, giving me any reason to hesitate on wanting to do it. But then I had a high school teacher who just really bolstered my confidence. He saw something in me that I definitely, it took years, maybe decade before I ever saw any of that in myself. I mean, we were, I remember it was our senior year in high school and I was in um, his like advanced English or whatever. We didn't even have AP classes. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I remember I, like, we all had to write our own superlatives for the yearbook. I don't know. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to write. And he like wrote something down on a sticky note and put it on my desk at the end of class. Cause I we was just like chatting with my friends about it. Mm-hmm. And he had just overheard us and he put the sticky note on my desk and it said, most likely to see bright lights in big cities. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to cry just saying it out loud. But it's just like, um, it was just, I remember that moment so well of just him seeing that I had this ability um, to go navigate. I mean, he meant, you know, there's like physical places, but maybe like a a version of life that I didn't even see for myself. Um, And then later on in college, I had a, the director of the honors program was a wonderful mentor of mine. And she also like, I think maybe she saw that I didn't have a lot of confidence, but I had a lot of abilities and she would, you know, she kept like, she was email me like, Oh, I want you to go to this club meeting. And I've already told the professor that does, you know, and like getting me involved in all these things, because I think she just saw, cause I'm naturally very shy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, this is very funny. <laughs> um, and so but like the likelihood of me just showing up to something like that without knowing anybody or doing it, that was very low, but she, had had enough interaction with me to know that I, if I just got out of that shell, I could actually do more with it. And I don't know, just little things like that. So Dr. Clutie and uh, Mr. Wybera, thank you yeah. for that. Yeah. Thank you to those people. Yeah. I love that Brooke and I are so similar and we are from very different places. Also. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I know that you're super, you're like, we're both mouthy as all get out, but so shy. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going around people unless I have to like, it's a, it takes a lot of confidence to, yeah, a lot of, of like, oh, baby Jesus. Okay. Yeah. I can go into public spaces and be social. Yeah. So, um, pandemic has been kind of nice. Uh, Brookie, anything you want to promote? Oh, anything promote. Um, I guess, uh, I mean, if people are interested in a career in international education, working in study abroad programs, those types of things, definitely go check out my company inside study abroad. We have for, um, on-demand training. So if you're like, Oh, what does a study abroad advisor do? We have like trainings Mm -hmm. on that, those types of things. Um, and we also do a career development and internship program for people who are curious about that career track, um, as well. And so go check out insidestudyabroad.com. We also have a podcast and then my sort of pet project. The thing that's like my true side hustle these days is called brazenest. She mentioned, which is a, a podcast, YouTube channel resource on, um, the practicalities and, um, strategy around starting an online business and online brand, uh, but also around growing your career. Um, and the concept of brazenest to the reason it's called that brazen IST brazenest is that, um, I, I feel like kind of 
through my, my story, a lot of times I was making choices that felt a little brazen, right. That it wasn't really like the thing you're supposed to do. Um, in, at least in the little world I was operating in at different phases of my life, but I was like, you know what, I'm going to unapologetically go after the things I want. And, um, brazen can have a negative connotation, but I wanted to like take it on as something that could be positive. Mm -hmm. So it's all about helping brazen careerists, audacious entrepreneurs and badass adventurers sort of find the life, the career, the work that they really want to do. So aligns a lot with what you're doing. Uh, so I'm really proud of what you're doing. So thank you so much for having me on the show. Just go to brazenest.com. Sorry. I should have mentioned that before. (laughs) In like four episodes, learn how to do mad stuff. It was, it is the most practical podcast I've ever listened to in my life. And I'm so good. Well, I'm hoping I'm I'm going to be doing interviews too. So it's not just like, you know, hard learning all the time that it's like a little inspirational. Um, but yeah, so I'm, after this, I'm actually getting ready to record an, F, uh, an episode on the different, um, paths of, of online business. So, uh, it's more of a, a mindset episode. So hopefully it'll be helpful too. <laughs> Yay, yeah. Can I just tell you After we cut off the recording, Brooke and I spent so much more time talking to each other and recounting our times in Ohio and reflecting on how our childhood has influenced how we see the world and and live our lives across difference and go on adventures and dig into uncomfortable spaces. And of course, in true Brooke fashion, She taught me how to use a mic, which I'm not using right now because I'm not in my apartment, but it was amazing to then just have this woman give me a straight up tutorial on podcasting, even though she had given me so much of her time and I continually learned so much from her. But what I really want to take from our conversation for you all to reflect on is this concept of ikigai. And remember the four questions of Ikigai. What do you love? What does the world need? What do you get, what can you get paid for? And what are you good at? What do you love? What does the world need? What can you be paid for? And what are you good at? I would start with what are you good at? And then I would go back to what do you love? Then I would check in on what the world needs and then figure out what I can get paid for. If you know what you love and what you're good at, the other two become a little bit easier to handle. So don't forget those ikigai questions. What do you love? What does the world need? What can you get paid for? And what are you good at? Those overlapping circles create your passion, your mission, your profession, and your vocation. So Google I-K-I-G-A-I, Ikigai. What do you love? What does the world need? What can you get paid for? What are you good at? Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Pursuing Call. I can't wait to hear about how you are exploring God's voice so that you can participate in God's mission and dream for our world. Send your email and comments to Tamara at PursuingCall.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A at P-U-R-S-U-I-N-G-C-A-L-L. 
pursuing.call.com. You can also visit pursuing.call.com to learn more about what I'm exploring and envisioning and thinking about. Thank you so much and have a wonderful and beautiful day. Go in peace to love and serve.